Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. We begin a new series today called Pressing Into Purpose. I just love the background, and I love these lights representing lasers. We're going to talk about lasers, lasers a little bit this month and what it is to be the light of the world. In fact, let's go right into the scriptures as we get into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God. And if you trust Jesus already, I wish you'd pray for me while I'm preaching today, because I believe that this might very well be an historic word and a moment that, uh, that we need to captivate as a church, uh, a moment where we need to make a difference in our purpose. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus said in the message, let me tell you why you're here. That's purpose. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness, we'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. This is what we're going to talk about this month. You are here to be light. Everybody say light. light. You're here to be the light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. Jesus said, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. I'm making you a candlestick, one translation says. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, I want you to shine. I want you to keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God this generous Father in heaven. A couple more things I want to weave in from the New Testament. First John 3, 8, uh, at the end of the verse, verse part, the B part of the verse, says this, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Finally, Philippians three thirteen. Most of you know it by heart, but this is a great a great verse for you to memorize if you don't already know it. Brethren, I do not count myself to have accomplished or apprehended already, but one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. One thing, one thing I do. Here's the one thing. If you, can do, if you can just do as a believer, if you can do one thing, here's what it is. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead to the future. I press. Everybody say, I press. When you're pressing towards something, you're running at the tape. You, you, if you're running a, 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 an Olympic race, they train you at the end of the race, whatever, wherever you are close to the finish line, you throw your body at the finish. You throw your body at the finish line. I press for the goal, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. My friends, sometimes to take that High call of God, you have to press into it. And that's what we're gonna do this month. Let's pray together one more time. Holy Spirit, we need you. Open the eyes of our heart. We need you to open our ears and open our eyes of our understanding and help us to be willing to humble ourselves tonight so that you would heal our land. In Jesus' name, amen. So this month we're gonna talk about destiny and the power of purpose, why we need to press into it. We say it this way, embracing your God-given design strengthens your life. It affects everything. 
It affects your identity. We just sing about who we are. I'm secure in you. Your security, your strength, your identity are all there because of God's purpose and you beginning to coordinate your life with that purpose. Next, God purposes, excuse me, God's purpose keeps you on track. Keeps you on track, keeps you from being distracted by all the barking dogs and all the noises and all the stuff going on in the world that tries to drown out the voice of God. God's purpose keeps you on track. The Bible says without a vision. Proverbs 29, 18 from the Passion Translation says this, when there's no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. They get off track. But when you follow the revelation, the light of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. People want to know, what, Pastor, what are you doing? What are you saying in this time during all of the uprising and all the things going on in this world? Here's what I'm saying. We're going to stick with the word. That's what we're going to say. Next, God's purpose becomes motivation for sacrifice. You know, if you, have, if you are an athlete, if you've ever, been, if you ever played high school sports or, or sports as a kid, you know that part of what keeps you willing to, willing to eat right, willing to, uh, to train, willing to put your muscles through some pain, Willing to do the things that are required that, you know, they say, what's the definition of a winner? Uh, a winner is a person who's willing to do the things that a loser isn't willing to do. And so there's a, there's a place where um, vision and purpose begin to inspire you and give you the determination that you need to actually make sacrifices in your life and say, well, because of this, I'm willing to do this. I'm, because, of, because of the overall purpose of God for me, I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to become uncomfortable. I'm willing to become, I'm willing to even put myself through pain to get to where God wants me to be. I hope you're there tonight. Can you say amen? amen. Training hard, eating, running, sweating, strengthening. That purpose becomes your driving force. Jesus clearly knew and understood his purpose. He said he, he knew he was called to preach the kingdom. Luke 4, 43 the people were trying to gather around Jesus and say, Jesus, please stay with us. Stay in our town. We want you to be with us. And he said to them in verse 43, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I've been sent. What propelled Jesus from just emotionally being drawn to people that are, that are there, they're saying, hey, come stay at my house. Come be with me, Jesus. I just want to be with you. His purpose kept him moving forward and kept him propelled from city to city, from town to town, and helped us all because of that. The Lord knew his general purpose and he knew his specific purpose. He knew he would suffer for the sin of all of mankind. He knew the cross was in his future. How do we know? Because in John 12, verse 27, when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. He knew he was born to die for your sin and for mine. He knew what his purpose was and it helped him even go all the way through to the fullness of paying the ultimate price for us. People on the cross even tried to talk him into taking um, medication. The Bible says that they offered him sour wine and they offered him a sponge of liquid on the cross to kind of dull his pain. And he refused it because of his purpose. Because he knew that the only way you and I could be free was to the extent that he would pay the ultimate price and become our sacrifice. I don't know what that does to you, but it moves me. 
Jesus could see everybody's purpose. He could see, he could see Saul's purpose in the book of Acts. And I'm not trying to see, see, see Saul. He, see, he, saw, he saw Saul. He, let me back up. Jesus could see Saul's purpose, not the ups and downs of that. He could see that in Saul was Paul. He could see that in this, in this zealot, in this anti-Christian vigilante on a death march to kill Christians, he could see potential. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that Jesus said, I can do something with that guy? We would just be like, are you kidding me? Get, hang him. Put him in jail. He's trying to kill our people. Jesus saw purpose in Saul. How do we know? Acts 26, verse 16, when Paul is testifying before the king, he's telling his testimony about getting knocked off his high horse on the road to Damascus. And he said, but Jesus spoke to me and said, but rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. My gosh, we need to know our purpose too. Jesus knows your purpose. He knows your uniqueness. He knows our purpose as a church. 2 Timothy 1.9, one of my life verses says this, that God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before last week. Is that what it says? Before last year, before we started 30 years ago. No, before time began. Did you know that God looked out of eternity into time before you were ever even thought of? And not only saw you being alive in 2020 for such a time as this, as we said a few weeks ago, but he also purposed in you some unique things inside of you for this moment. Because his own purpose and grace, and I would say this, his grace goes with his purpose. You need more grace? Press into his purpose. You have all the favor you need to fulfill God's holy calling on your life. Now tonight, I wanna to talk a little bit about our purpose. The church of Jesus is called to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, the city on a hill. We're called to be light. In a world filled with darkness, we're called to be light. And, and so in difficult times, and, and listen, when God called us in the very beginning 30 years ago to build a multiracial, multicultural church, I signed up and said yes, and I knew there would be challenging moments. I just want you to know that. I, did, I, wasn't, I wasn't naive enough to believe it was gonna be easy. But I said yes. God, you wanna do it? Use me. We're called to be the light in the darkness. There's different kinds of light. Floodlight fills an area. A spotlight fills something smaller. But a laser light has a pinpoint accuracy. A floodlight can flood an area, but it can't cut through hard things. But a laser can. A laser is a focus of light. And so when we I believe God is saying that when we focus on our purpose, we're gonna be more powerful to actually cut through some of the hard things of this world. A lampstand, a candlestick is a platform. 
And our ultimate calling as a church, as now church, and as the body of Christ in particular, is to bring lost people home. We're a candlestick, we're a light in a window saying to lost people, come home to your father's house. We exist as a church, it's on the wall over here. Last time you were here, some of you on, online, maybe we, we've understood that there are many people online that are newer, that are just getting saved through what's been happening at Now Church during the COVID crisis. So you may not know this, but our mission statement as a church is we're building a relevant creative church, empowering people to reach others. Ultimately, our purpose is to empower you to reach other people. But tonight I wanna to talk about our relevance in a moment. Your platform, by the way, is a sacred trust. And everyone has a platform. Your platform is your pulpit. Maybe for you it's social media. We utilize social media around here, but that's not my platform. My platform is right here. In this pulpit, God has made me responsible for 30 years to be careful who takes this pulpit. Not only what they say, but what spirit they're of. That we don't allow demonic forces to take our platform or to Shanghai our message. One of the things light does is expose darkness. There used to be, back in the old days of Saturday Night Live, they had a great skit back in the original cast with John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. They had a cast, they had, they had a, a skit about roaches. And they had human-sized, you know, the the the, the not ready for primetime players, dressed as roaches, and people would come into their apartment and turn on the light, and they would hear the conversation of these roaches. It was hilarious. And I want you to know one of the things light does is when it's turned on, it exposes stuff that's hiding in the dark. And I believe that God is turning the light on in our country in a greater way for a reason, and I want to be part of it. Now church stands for life and freedom. Never made any bones about it. We don't pick it and protest. We've had people over the years try to get us to pick it and protest abortion. But ultimately, I feel the Holy Spirit has said, you need to make sure that you're always in position to win lost people and not just choosing sides in a difficult time. We've had a vision since day one of breaking down the walls of racial division. It's been a dream of true and lasting racial reconciliation and we've tried to be a solution instead of adding to the problem. We've tried to be a part of making change, making a difference one person at a time. That's been an original vision for 30 years as well. Doing it one, different, one, one person at a time, making that difference. In our core values, the 12 core values, the 12 values of our, of our foundation of a church, as a church, we talk about in our Next Steps classes, which by the way, Pastor Chris and the team are preparing to do some of them online later this summer. We're gonna be, on, we're gonna be in, the, in the place, but our, our classroom is so small, we wanna begin to open up Next Steps, which is our way of connecting with people. It's over here on the right-hand side of the room. And in those four classes, we're developing an online course where you can take it at your leisure and still be in Next Steps and come into the, into the connection and connectivity of serving in the body of Christ through Now Church. Um, but in our core values is a value of honor, which a subheading of that is about respect, mutual respect of everybody. We respect diversity here. And diversity, listen, you can't, you can't look at the, at the birds of the air and not know that God is colorful. 
You can't look at the flowers of the field and not recognize that God is seen in his uniqueness through the diversity and the beauty of all those colors that in that we find victory, in that we find glory, in that we find God. And so we have to acknowledge these things and talk about some of the things. And I want to say this. I'm willing today to become comfortably uncomfortable. The last few weeks, we've been spending time as leaders, praying and talking with friends, colleagues, other pastors in our city, other pastors in Florida, other pastors around, the, around America and around the world about many things, but trying to understand that even after 30 years of pastoring a diverse group of people and, and valuing that and appreciating that, I had to come to the place where I said, I don't understand exactly what this is. I don't, God, we're in a moment here and I want to be part of the moment, but I will not be shanghaied by demons to falsely pick sides against each other. This is not that. And yet we have to learn, don't we? We have to open our hearts and we do it through relationships. And so I say with fear and trembling tonight, today, that our nation is broken. Our community is wounded. And our own church body is hurting. As one African-American pastor friend said to me this week, when you stub your toe, your whole body responds to the pain, not just the rest of your foot. Your body bends, your hands reach. So for those of you that are hurting, we reach for you. When we've said nothing, it's not because we didn't care. It's that we didn't know what to say. I'm from the old school. I can't help, guys. I'm not the social media guru. I'm doing my best at 59 years old to utilize the tools that are given to us. And we've been on television for over 20, really for over 30 years off and on, and so we want to use every tool. But I'm not, my thing is not to go online and pick sides in an instantaneous thing, especially when I haven't even been hardly watching the news until the last week because the COVID corona thing got so old and divisive that I just shut the thing off. Very seldom on social media. And I know some of you, you can't imagine that because it's your life. You think it's your life. I've come to the place where I'm more concerned about saying nothing than I am saying the wrong thing. So I ask you for grace to try to frame some things that need to be said. We hate the murder of the unborn. We hate abortion as Christians, as believers, because we value human life. But let's admit that to many of our black brothers and sisters, this feels hollow sometimes. 
Because we say we value the unborn, but we don't seem to value somebody else that's suffering, that's alive. Today we need to acknowledge George, George Floyd was a black man, a fellow believer. And there is no scenario on earth that gives anyone else the right to murder him, to put their knee on his neck until his heart gave out, period, end of story. But I will not speak against our police officers because they have a hard job and they risk their lives to keep peace and we need them and we need authority in our nation. But I also want to say it's also true, even though it's true that police officers have a hard job and we respect them, it is also true that police brutality against black people has been too much part of our history and it is wrong, it is evil, it is sin. It is, it is a part of the darkness of our past that has affected people to this day to our own generation. My prayer with Pastor Lindsay and our team and many of my brothers and sisters that are pastors, our prayer is that the violence of today, see the problem is this, when you go to violence, you now reinforce the stereotypes that each other has in picking those sides. And it doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it better. I'm not talking about protesting, I'm talking about violence. What sense does it, what sense does it make for a young African-American man to burn down or loot from an African-American owned business? My friends, that just makes no sense. And so I have to say that dark forces try to take advantage of these moments and bring destruction. But we know who the author of destruction is. Violence over racial issues is counterproductive at the least because it drags us backward into more of the old feelings that try to separate and divide us. <laughs> I said to my wife recently, I said, this kind of reminds me of when we used to do more marriage counseling. Because we don't do marriage counseling anymore. We didn't really do marriage counseling, but we did. We've sat with a lot of marriages in crisis in 30 years. Believe me, more than I ever wanted to. And the whole first moment of a marriage trying to be healed is blame and a lot of shouting and a lot of he did this and she did that. And I'll just tell you as a pastor, as long as, as, long as the shouting part's going on and the blaming part's going on, you're not accomplishing anything. In fact, until there's a moment when, the, when one of the parties in that position says, God, Okay, stop, I'm gonna stop praying for him to change or her to change. And my prayer is now for me to change. That's the only way you make progress. It begins when, fun, when somebody finally says, okay, start with me. So that's been my prayer this week. God, start with me. I don't know as much as I wished I did. Old feelings try to separate and divide us. For those who've been around us for a while, you know we, we've used Restoring the Foundations as a course to help people find healing and deliverance of the soul. One of the big things that we, one of the key components you have to deal with to find lasting freedom is called ungodly belief systems. We call it UGBs. 
And I have to acknowledge today that we all have them to some degree because we're raised in a sinful world. There are things that we've been taught or things that we believe deeply in our hearts that are not of God. All of us. Things we learned, things we picked up, things we heard growing up, things we experienced for ourselves or things that were generationally imparted. I've told you that when we recognize demonic forces as a church, as a pastor, I look for patterns. We got a whole lot of patterns in this situation now. We need to uproot those ungodly belief systems and replace them with the word of God. And we have to forgive. James 4 said this way, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The first thing in the hardest sometimes is just this. Father, I submit to you. I kneel before you. I humble myself before you. And in that place, you find the authority that you need to stand against darkness. And it will run away from you. That's the promise. Now, I hate the us versus them mentality. That's not the kingdom way. But I have to tell I have to say this. I think all of us in every race and every tribe and every tongue representing this congregation are sick and tired of and weary of political correctness. And that's another reason why it's hard to say something because right now things are changing on a daily basis so fast. You can say something that was okay to say two months ago, but it's not okay to say today. And so I just want you, I, I just want to talk about the elephant in the room again. I did that last year. Can we just have a few more moments? There has been a shared collective black experience that has not been understood. And I'm not here, I'm, I'm not here trying to play an attorney for, for, for a side. I'm just trying to tell, I'm trying to say it prophetically that we can all kind of get a grip on this. That people of color have a different experience in the freedom that we believe in in America. It's still different. I look around and we are diverse and I love that. But listen, people that came here to America that have lighter skin, almost all came from a different experience and a lot of them from poverty coming to America, but free to choose to come here. And I've often wondered, can I just be real? Can I just be real? Is this okay? That when Pastor Lindsay and I have traveled together a lot, We'll be, we'll be walking through an airport at times and, and I'll talk more about PL in a moment. He's given me the permission to. But I've seen many times over 27 years and traveling to probably 40 nations together that sometimes in airport, we'll be walking side by side and, and another African-American young man will pass by Pastor Lindsay uh, and, and, we'll, and they'll just kind of make eye contact for a second and kind of nod. And, I've, and the first time it happened back when he was with us in 1993, I go, what's that? What is that? I don't, okay, okay, you know, I don't ever make eye contact with a white man and go, I got you, bro. I don't, I don't, 
You understand? I don't, so that's not my experience. So I have to just, so I don't know. So he said to me years ago, that's just a, it's a thing. Well, what's a thing? It's a, it's an experience. It's, 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 it's just enough. It's almost, I would liken it now as I'm learning about this more and more. I would like, you ever seen motorcycle guys are driving down and they pass other people going the other way on a motorcycle and they go. Like, I'm not a motorcycle guy. I don't, I think it's something like that. I'm identifying with you. Let's talk about PL. You know him, you love him. But, but you love him, hang on, hang on. Hang on. You, you love him because you know him. When Pastor Lindsay is outside of these walls and driving in his car, he is not seen as Pastor Lindsay, as uh, the former chaplain for the Gators, as uh, a man of God. He is seen first and foremost, not the way he is, or the way you know him, especially if it's late at night. He is first seen as a black man. And he has to conduct himself in a different way than I do, and that is not equal. That is not right. Recently, when he left church working here, and he works till all hours. I'm just gonna give you a little secret about Pastor Lindsay. He likes slushies from Sonic. It takes him back to his days growing up in Iowa for some reason. He's almost euphoric when he has this sonic slushy in his hand. So many times he will drive and kind of just a little out of his way on his way home, he will go through Sonic. And so he goes through, and, and so y'all know Sonic on the east side. It's, you, you can go through the Walgreens parking lot, uh, kind, of, kind of behind that gas station, behind that shell station, and there's a little area. And if there's not a lot of traffic going around the drive-through in the building, there's a little area you can kind of sneak into the drive-through. Well, recently he snuck through the drive-thru and ended up cutting off, let's just call him a young man in a pick-em-up truck. Who didn't call him pastor? Who didn't call him Christian? <laughs> didn't call him man of God. But started rolling down his window screaming, get out of the car. Wanted to fight. So Pastor Lindsay, because he, does, he has wisdom and he has faith and he thinks a certain way, he apologized profusely, tried to say, look, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm, I'm sorry. And the guy wouldn't have it. So Pastor Lindsay went up to the window as he's paying and he said, please, I want to pay for the guy's food behind me. And he said, you tell him that I didn't mean to cut him off. I didn't see him there. I'm a pastor at Now Church. So you may be here tonight. I don't know if they're, young man, if you're here, hope you enjoyed your free meal. Anyway, but he said, you tell him I'm sorry. And then I paid for his meal. I said, Pastor Lindsay, how much did it cost you? He said, only like five bucks, you know, a little over five bucks. I said, isn't that amazing that you thought that way from God to do something generous to diffuse the situation? Now, that young man could have been mad if I did that too. I don't know. But his experience is a different experience and it's not right. 
He's almost always treated differently when we get to security checkpoints and nations, not just in America. He always takes longer to get through the customs and immigration. And I'm usually, he reminded me recently, I'm usually more upset about it than he is. When we get there, I'm, okay, so you know that spiritually it's possible to become spiritual father and son. Paul said to Timothy. And so it's possible to do this. So together we've been to all these countries and I'm usually more upset about the injustice of it than he is. Now, for those of you who don't understand the concept of white privilege, when I've heard that, when I've heard that phrase, it makes me bristle and feel like it's racist from the other side. But let me just tell you what I've learned this week. And it's simply talking about the fact, I used to think it was like, you white spoiled brats don't, don't ever have any problems. And that's not true. What I've learned is that what PL goes through differently than I do, that's the white privilege. That's all, the, that's all people are saying. It may come out in anger from a lot of people, but that's all this is about. So I'm trying to redefine some terminologies for you because it's important that we get through this. Is that okay? I'm gonna do it anyway, but I'm trying to be nice. In a recent conversation with black pastors, one of our young men, pastoring near Washington, D.C., he's been put on our executive board, on our, on our collective, wave collective that we're a part of. He and his wife just have their first son. He's four months old. And he's as cute as a button. And everywhere they go, people outside say, oh my gosh, that is the cutest. What a cute boy. And after this whole incident in Minneapolis, this man of God looked at his wife and said, at what age will he go from being cute to being seen as a threat Racism exists, it lurks in dark places. It lurks in the hearts and minds of people on many, on many sides of the equation. What's the answer? Let's, let's talk about our takeaways from this today because I'm not quite done, but I'm almost done. There's nothing easy for the answer in this. I'm not trying to, not trying to make it a cookie cutter deal, but I'm trying to tell you our God reigns supreme. Because we are at this moment, because we are at this moment, God obviously wants to do something miraculous. And miracles don't come from other people. Miracles come from the church. Miracles come from the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ goes in this moment, so goes this nation. The scripture comes up, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And as one of my friends put it, the heart of our African-American community is sick wounded from seeing history re keep repeating itself over and over again. And I thought about it, when one of our people is sick, from Dwight McDonald to LaVonda Smith, from Norman Vickers to Mike Wilson, <clears throat> we rally together as a church. When Mike Wilson stopped by with his wife a few years ago, 
and said, and met, found Pastor Chris about to leave to go home and said, we just got a report. It's leukemia. And it doesn't look good. Nobody said, wait a minute. We got a lot of members in our church that are just as important as you are. Nobody said, wait a minute, guys. We've got black and brown people and, and yellow people and all these red and, right, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious and inside. Nobody said, hey, wait a second. You know what we did? We ran to rally around Mike Wilson because he was sick. So can I say to you, we need to rally around those that are hurting and sick in our community. If that is part of the experience now, we've got to rally in this moment and say, I care, I love you. When you're hurting, I'm sorry, even if I didn't cause it. And I'm willing to become uncomfortable in having, dis have, having discussions to learn some things. I'm willing to get uncomfortable so that I can understand. I'm willing to be okay with it because it's important to the heart of God. Empathy. I don't have all the answers. I just wrote down a few things. Number one, engage. Express compassion and love. Pray fervently. And by all means, unite because a divided church means this world is going down. And the part of when I say the purpose of our light is this, God never told us to curse the darkness. To just sit here and talk about all the problems in the world, but he called us to be the light. Let's be willing to listen, to even be okay with being uncomfortable once in a while. Because some people are uncomfortable every single day because they're placed in situations where people don't understand. I'm not pretending I, we have all the answers today. I'm just trying to start a conversation. And I'm asking you to be willing to get uncomfortable, to be willing to have that knot in your stomach that says, ooh, this is, this is painful to hear. Be willing because it's a requirement to heal our land. That's called humility. Let's give each other the grace and the space. And I wanna say if I've offended anybody here today or those of you connecting with us online, I apologize for any offense if I've said something wrong. I'm sorry. Lord, let your church arise in this moment and let there be light. The world can't fix this. The government can't fix it. Hollywood sure can't fix it. Late night talk show, oh, sure can't fix it. Only Jesus, through his church, and that's you, and that's me, can bring real peace, real peace, lasting change, because it begins in human hearts and minds. The highest purpose of the church of Jesus is to connect real people to a real God who loves and accepts each of us exactly where we are. And if you're hurting, I want to pray for you. Whether you're in the room or you're at home, do you know this Jesus?
the way maker we sang about earlier, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. Do you know him? Because this is, religion is not gonna help this. Religion's gonna make it worse. Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, we would normally be joining hands or locking arms or hugging each other on our way out of these doors. And yet, we cannot. But we need the Holy Spirit to finish this, what's working in our hearts right now, to bring change. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right now? First of all, just say this with me. Just say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Change me. Let change begin in my heart. Make me teachable. Make me open. Help me to learn, to get beyond labels, to get beyond limitations, and to surrender to you in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we pray for our community. We pray. First, I pray for the people in the room and the people that are connecting, watch, watching right now. I know you feel it. If you have darker skin, if you're black, you, you feel it differently than I do. And that's okay. I mean, I understand that that's, that that's a real thing. But it's not okay for those powers and principalities to keep perpetuating it. This is not a political statement tonight. This is a compassion statement. And I pray that God would move in our hearts and change us and cause us to leave here and leave this moment open, humbled, and ready to move forward in the right spirit, in the right timing, in the power of God's love. Father, I pray for all of our folks tonight, whether here in the room or whether with us doing this on Sunday, I pray that you would bring healing, that you would bring wholeness, I pray that something that was said today would at least be a spark for hope. And I ask you to do a miracle in this room. Before we leave this room, let something shift in our hearts. And let us, even though we can't embrace physically, Father, we need a Holy Ghost embrace in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you 